little nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. Never apologize for being nerdy. All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Good evening, junior ambassadors turned junior detectives. And welcome to a mysterious episode of the Nerdite Nations, where the name of the game tonight is Merder. I, of course, am your super detective, your master detective, Jared Boots. I, of course, cannot solve this mystery alone. I am joined by the Watson to my homes of the Great White North, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, are you ready to solve mystery? I am more than ready. <laughs> No, Melissa, we're not alone. We I are? saw this couple at the hotel. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw this couple at the hotel motel. Oh, Do you yeah. think they're super sleuths or suspects? Uh, I don't know. It looked pretty, uh, pretty highly sus to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's find out. From the I Love That Movie podcast, welcome back, Lisa. And for the first time, welcome her husband, Nick. Lisa, Hello. Nick. Where were you guys at 9.23 p.m. the night Shuckton was denied the Olympics? <laughs> we have a really strong alibi, don't worry. <laughs> oh, Lisa, welcome back. Nick, welcome to for the first time to our show. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Well, if uh, any of our listeners haven't heard any of you guys before I want you to tell us a little bit of tell us a little bit about yourselves sure so my name is Lisa you guys have had me on your show before to talk Tim Burton um, and uh, I have a podcast as well called I love that movie each week I have a guest and we just talk about a movie that we love in fact my husband over here was my most recent guest um, but yeah I'll let him introduce himself a little bit too yeah uh, I'm Nick I do not have a podcast <laughs> yet yet but um for fun and a little bit of scratch on the side i built uh props and replicas from movies uh video games and comics um just kind of a hobby turned obsession <laughs> <laughs> yeah good way to describe it i found i followed you on instagram those are some uh, i like what i see those are some high class props man oh thank you yeah, I, I actually followed follow you recently on Instagram, and you make some really cool stuff. Yeah, I show all the mistakes I make, too. So yeah. a project might take me like a year to make one thing, but mm. I try to document it the whole, th whole way through. Yeah, it's really cool. Really cool to see the whole process, even the when it kind of fails a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a lot of one step forward, five steps back. He's so patient, so much more patient than me. Like when I when I can't do something, I just like throw my hands up, and he'll be like, "Well, I can start all over." And I'm like, "No, I can't do it." So yeah. he's he's a very patient person. I'll curb whole projects for a year or two sometimes <laughs> and come back to it. That's true. You do. 
I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I'm like the guys from Office Space with the copy, the fax machine. I just want to <laughs> start smashing the hell out of things half the time. Well, yeah. if the listeners can't tell by the title of our episode, we are talking about a 2010 miniseries called Death Comes to Town, performed, written and performed by the kids in the hall. And a little fun fact, this is actually inspired, this episode's inspired by Lisa's podcast i love that movie because it was the first ever episode i ever listened to of your show when you guys talked about brain candy and i was so excited because i've never heard anybody talk about that movie before yeah thank you so much i mean i i don't hear that a lot which kind of makes me sad a little bit like i feel sometimes i feel like kids in the hall is like the best kept secret because um you know growing up with it nick and i really loved that comedy troupe and that show but it's hard to find other fans like even when we went to that event um at the ernie kovacs awards we were having trouble like i invited everyone i knew and like nobody came it was just me and nick i mean there were tons of people there but in my circle like i i had trouble finding people that wanted to go and it was actually our first time to see that film too yeah i think i'd seen clips here and there or gifts and stuff like that, but it was the first time to see the movie all the way through. And it was really cool because, um, was it Bruce and Kevin were? Uh, it was Dave uh, Foley and yeah, Kevin. That's right. yeah. yeah, Dave and Foley. And they were literally in the back row of the theater doing commentary the whole time. That'd be awesome. Well, uh, before we jump into it, um, what was your guys' first introduction to the kids in the hall themselves? Why don't you go first? <laughs> um, I honestly don't know the first time I saw it. I just remember growing up with it. I would see an episode here and there. Usually it was after an SNL rerun. It would be on, but not like at night. It would be like when if they played SNL during the day for some reason. I would catch it then. Or it, it always seemed to be on um in the background and every once in a while when I was really young, I'd really think a skit was really funny and I'd watch it. And I've kind of over the years watched more of it uh, to where I was able to really enjoy the troupe as a whole and watch some of their other projects too. Yeah. I think my first exposure to it was probably comedy central. Um, and by that time it was reruns, I think. And I just, I think I felt like it was like a after school kind of thing, like that weird in between time, you know, before dinner, uh, there would be like a few episodes back to back to back and I'd watch them. And I don't know if I've seen every episode, but I've gotten close to that. And I, I remember just like really gravitating towards it over the other content on Comedy Central at the time, because I feel like at the time, like frat boy humor was really big like it was everywhere and i wasn't really into that so kids in the hall was like closer to what i liked it was more kind of absurdist humor a little bit more like almost like uh, monty python-ish a little bit like it was just like more my speed Very i think theatrical yeah mm-hmm. uh, it's i think about that time on comedy center all they really had was south park and dr Katz. At that time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's even further back than I thought. But it's like, you know, I'm thinking of, like, The Man Show and, like, a bunch of other stuff that I was, that like... Too. It, it was, like, just not stuff I was into. So I was, like, I don't know. I, I like the stuff like this, you know, Mad TV, SNL, you know, stuff like that a little bit more. Awesome. Well, Melissa, we're going to have a little different perspective here. What was your introduction to the kids? <laughs> 
Well, um, I didn't really experience much of their stuff. Um, like, I didn't really hear much about them really until the 2010 um, miniseries, Death Comes to Town, because it was all over CBC, and it was something that was on for um, a good little bit. And then that was kind of my sort of knowing about them. I didn't watch the show at the time, because it wasn't something that I was really sort of like, oh, I want to see this, I want to check this out. So I didn't watch it, but I knew about it, and then I also knew... Um, Really, the only other sketch I knew from them was the head crusher. <laughs> That's the one that like everyone knows. Like even if you weren't like a huge fan, I felt like everyone was just doing that for like a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was the one thing I, I knew about, but but that was about it. Like I didn't experience it too much until very recently when. Um, Jared had said, oh, let's do an episode about Death Comes to Town, and then so he's been sharing, like, a whole bunch of different sketches of their stuff, and so I've been kind of engaging with that stuff in it, and the the sketches I've seen have been absolutely hilarious. Like, it's it's quirky humor, and you know, some of the like, references to different things, and it's just, you know, it's uh, pretty funny stuff, so. Yeah. And much like Lisa, Nick, I kind of grew up with it. I watched the reruns on Comedy Central growing up all the time and just thought this was hilarious. And uh, I actually heard of Dave Foley through news radio first, actually. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely the most famous in the troupe. He was the one that went on to have more of like a bigger career than the other guys. So he was the he's kind of like the big name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that, and then uh, one day just surfing through Comedy Central, it might have been like after an SNL rerun where they had reruns of the kids in the hall on. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And just fell in love with it. I already remember the first sketch I even watched, but I just fell in love with it. The humor is just so damn funny. And we'll get into that later, how quick their humor is and how different it is. And I've been told I have my father's sense of humor. So I really get that Canadian humor. I really get the your Monty Pythons, your Benny Hills style of humor. And this is definitely a good fit for, it. I think the kids in the hall are. And uh, I actually own all five seasons on DVD and I've been binge watching them getting ready for this episode tonight too. So nice. I can't get enough of it. And like I said, I've been blowing up Melissa's uh, messenger with all these clips. <laughs> he has, he's like, Oh, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you a video keyword a, and then, Oh, five videos later, I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> so, <laughs> what hasn't been all bad? I've enjoyed them all. <laughs> what was your guys' first exposure to Death Comes to Town? What was the first time you heard of Death Comes to Town? Lisa and Nick. Uh, when you sent me those clips. <laughs> I had not heard of this miniseries. I had no idea that they had done another project. Had, had yeah, you? I was surprised yeah. whenever... Lisa told me we were going to be on here and that we had to watch it. I'm like, I didn't know they'd done anything. <laughs> like, I feel like I would have heard of it because it was hilarious, but I, I didn't hear about it at all. They must have mentioned it when we saw them live. Like, I'm, I have to think that they mentioned it, but I, it went over my head, apparently. 
but yeah, I, I didn't know about it. So when you sent it, it was like a complete surprise. And then, uh, Jared, you're very patient in helping me watch all of it. I just, I kept messaging him going, I can't find it. Oh, I found it. Oh, now I can't find it again. Oh, I think I did find it. I'm like, he's going to think I don't want to watch this. I'm giving him such a hard time. But, um, we did eventually watch all eight episodes on YouTube. Um, so it is kind of hard to find, but, um, and they're not labeled very well. Yeah, it's like whoever made that playlist, I don't know. Like playlists are hard. So we watch it on Apple TV. And for whatever reason, like on your phone, when you're looking through a playlist, you can kind of like click on the next video. Yeah. But it wouldn't do that on Apple TV. So if we ever left the playlist, we had to then go try to find and catch up where we were and try to guess like what they called that exact episode. And it wasn't always the title of the episode. And so, like, we would spend all this time, like, searching. For whatever reason, Apple and YouTube just don't get along, I guess. And so <laughs> it made it a little bit challenging, but we, we did find all of them. So I recommend probably streaming them on your phone or somewhere that's better equipped to handle YouTube. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's actually how I watched it, too. But I was able to, because I have the, the uh, Fire TV and so I was able to get the YouTube app on my TV and then stream it from my phone so I could have like the playlist and on the TV. So, yeah. <laughs> but what was funny was that when I first initially found it, um, I, there was like no audio whatsoever. And I'm like, okay, is this part of Like, I honestly thought it was <laughs> part of the thing at first. I was like, wait a minute, no, there's no audio whatsoever. And so then I had to go digging again, and I finally found a really good playlist of all the episodes and everything. And So, yeah, it was a bit of a challenge, too. And, like, I even, I went to, like, cbc.ca to see if they had it, and they had some sketches and things of Kids in the Hall, but they didn't have Death Comes to Town at all, which I think it was kind of interesting, because, like, they have older episodes of other shows that have been done on CBC, so I don't know, it just seems weird, but well, eventually found it. <laughs> Good. I think that silent episode, I think we came across one of those too. It must have yeah. been just a bad video on YouTube. Or, or there was like a licensing issue or something and they pulled the audio. Yeah, it, it was weird. We were like, this is a choice. <laughs> and we're like, okay, something's wrong. Yeah. It's almost like a choose your own adventure episode. You can pick what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Through a riff track. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I'm going to feel like the snob in this question because I actually owned Death Comes to Town. It, uh, it came with uh, like five years ago, maybe for Christmas. My brother and my dad both each got me the complete series of Kids in the Hall on DVD. But the one my brother gave me came with Death Comes to Town. I'm like, what is this? Popped it in. I. I loved it, and like yeah, I never knew they were doing anything extra outside of that. I knew they were going on tour as early as what as late as what six years ago. They were still going on tour around the country, but um, you know that's about it. When did you guys uh, go see Kevin and uh, David together? So it was actually four years ago. Yeah, it was like three four, or four, four years, years ago. ago. And so every year in Dallas, um, the Dallas Video Fest, so Dallas Video Fest is like, instead of being one festival, it's several different festivals broke, broken up throughout the year. And it's been going on since like the 80s. But one of the events they put on is called the Ernie Kovacs Award. And Ernie, er, Ernie Kovacs is like a very old pioneer of television. He was a comedian and he influenced a lot of people, you know, 
I mean, I mean, everybody from Conan, a lot of people on SNL. It's very weird, quirky humor. Yeah, really absurdist visual, visual stuff. And so they do this award every year in his, in his honor, and his wife's um, son is there, and he presents the award. And so they try to pick somebody to receive the award that, like, kind of falls into that same category of sort of changing the game on television, really bringing something different to comedy. Um, and this particular year, it, it was um, Dave Foley and, um, and Kevin uh, McDonald, and they basically introduced the movie they they kind of did a quick interview up there they received their award and then they played the movie and then afterwards you could go meet them and it was so weird because it was just like at alamo draft house and they're just like sitting there i mean they're just like right there and like we just took turns going up there and taking pictures with them and then like when it was my turn I took like three pictures with them. They were like, one more, one more, like really yeah, nice. Real chatty too. Yeah, very, very friendly. And they, they just had all the time in the world. And I mean, we've seen John Cleese too. Yeah. And um, um, Amy Sedaris. Amy Sedaris as well. Um, obviously, it didn't happen this year, <laughs> but uh, hopefully next year. But yeah, they get really good people to present it to. So that's how we met them. That's awesome. And then Melissa's met John or seen John Cleese before. You haven't met him though, right? No, I'd love to meet him, but yeah, no, I've I've seen him live too. He came to uh, he came to Thunder Bay, and did his kind of the um, the sort of lecture of why there is no hope, and that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. It was so much fun. Yeah, he's so sharp. He's he's still hilarious. He still has it. I feel bad. I've only met Red Green. <laughs> well, we didn't meet John Cleese either. I mean, he was not accessible yeah, to was, be. That was a we much saw him from much further away. That one. Yeah, that was at like the Texas Theater, and and it was a packed house. Yeah, there was there was when he came to Thunder Bay. He there was a like a VIP option where you could meet him, but it was a little too rich for my wallet. So <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> but it was still pretty pretty freaking cool to see him like in person live like that that was something i never thought would happen so <laughs> well i think we're going to dive into our round table since there's eight episodes to cover it's just too much to go episode by episode then we'll be here all night so i think we're, <laughs> we're our listeners are familiar uh with our round table format which i think we first introduced with lisa or did we do that with uh kevin and or we do that with mikey and guy on our killer clowns episode no, uh, that might have been with Mike and Guy, but then we did also did with Lisa. So that was the second time. So we're going to stick to the tried and true roundtable format and just get diving in deep. So before we dive into it, I got some quick facts. The show was actually proposed by Bruce McCullough during a tour they did back in 2008. And uh, he said he got, I guess he best described it as corner gas meets Twin Peaks. <laughs> what he wanted to do with this. Uh, the show ran from January 12th to March 16th, 2010. And I've quote unquote brief plot here. The mayor of Shuckton, Ontario is murdered several hours after the announcement of the town's bid for the 2028 Summer Olympics being rejected. Small time criminal Krim is found with blood on him and is put on trial for the murder. However, an obese man named Ricky suspects the real murderer is still at large, and with the help of his friend Marnie, he investigates the crime. Meanwhile, the mayor's widow takes over mayoral duties. Women on a local news team compete for attention. 
The coroner steals the mayor's body. Krim's lawyer does everything he can do to keep his cat alive. And Death waits in a motel room to collect the souls of the dead, shucked-in citizens. <laughs> so much going on. And uh, mm-hmm. Not really another fun fact, but uh, the first time I saw the show, I thought Scott Thompson looked a little weird. Like I thought it was strange seeing Scott Thompson bald in this show. Yeah. And... And I found out, I did some dig- digging, and I found out he was actually diagnosed with non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And mm-hmm. he became be- he began his chemo before the shooting started, and then he started radiation right after the shooting wrapped. What a trooper. Like, I, I noticed that, too, and I remembered uh, Dave and Kevin actually talking about when he had cancer. Yeah. when and, and I had never heard that. And then I went and kind of looked everybody up and read a little bit about it. So when I saw the show and I saw, you know, how he looked, I was like, this must have been when he was sick. Yeah. I knew I knew he had it at one point in his life. But when we decided to do this episode, I wanted to look it up in correlation to or fit on the timeline. But yeah, and it and probably explains why he only plays three characters in the in the show because i counted up uh, between the five of them they played 23 characters wow 24 <laughs> 24 if you 24 if you count dave being the voice of buttonhole the cat yeah <laughs> i didn't even think of that <laughs> <laughs> and the show stars dave foley bruce mccullough kevin mcdonald mark mckinney and scott thompson uh just a couple of the main players dave plays mayor marilyn bowman Dr. Porterhouse and Levon Blanchard. Bruce plays Ricky, Mayor Bowman, and Big City Lawyer. Kevin plays Marnie, Shay the Cameraman, and Lawyer Sam Murray. Mark plays Death or the Drifter. Corinda Gablechuck. That's about all his major characters there. And then Scott plays Krim, the Town Corner Dusty Diamond, and Heather Weather. That's just the name of a few. I thought I just named the major players. So the first question for the panel is, did the murder mystery plot work overall for you, Lisa? Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, in the sense that it was like very entertaining and I just like seeing where it was going to go. And I don't know, it worked for me. Nick? Yeah, I I think so. I didn't piece it together till probably they revealed it, but I was like, I, I kind of thought I'm like, it's gotta be one of the townspeople, one of the main characters, but I just, I didn't see it that, that coming. Melissa. Yeah, I, th- I think it worked. Um, I think it, it certainly formed a good, like foundation for a good story. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, it was, it's done in a, a very, sort of humorous way along with it being kind of like darker but still funny um you know in a different sort of lighthearted, lighthearted way while having that sort of layer of dark story in there but yeah i think it worked well yeah i i agree with everybody it's a good story um the plot does work overall, and it does keep you guessing. They really do not know. You really do not figure it out till the last episode who really killed the mayor and Heather Weather. So I thought that, I thought they did a good job for being mostly keeping their comedy style and trying to try something different with the with the uh, murder mystery plot. 
So speaking of, story-wise, how does it compare to other murder mysteries such as And Then There Were None, Clue, Murder on the Orient Express, Knives Out, uh, Dial in for Murder, House on Haunted Hill, Lisa? I mean, I don't think it's quite as complex as some of those that you mentioned. Uh, the emphasis is definitely on the humor. But I think that there's enough of a sort of a cliffhanger at the end of every episode that kind of there's a good linear plot. So it's like you're you stay engaged and they do really funny stuff with not letting you find out who killed who, like how the um, the mayor's son <laughs> sees butterflies <laughs> instead of people, which I have to say when that happened, I was you can ask Nick. I was like crying that with laughter. Funny. I thought that was so funny. And when the when the murder scene happens and he's watching it and there are butterflies, I just I don't know that was, that was like the funniest thing in the whole show to me for whatever reason I just really like that. But yeah, I think I think it, it it you know I wouldn't really put it up where with like a a classic you know with like Knives Out or something like that's probably not quite that caliber, but um, it's so absurd and so ridiculous and so fun that I don't know it still works for me. Yeah, I just wanted to throw a look. I tried to cast a wide net. I thought, if anything, yeah. it was probably closer to Clue than anything. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Especially with, like, the sort of multi-choice ending thing that happens at the end, yeah. <laughs> which was one of my other favorite parts, too. Um, I Nick, think, your thoughts? I feel like being the kids in the hall, it was definitely more comedy-focused to where there wasn't enough clues peppered into where you could figure it out i kind of feel like they're like okay we're just going to do all this funny stuff lead up to this and then we'll do the big reveal um i might have to go back and rewatch it a second time to see if there were any uh hints to the the actual murder but i i i mean everyone is so all over the place on on that show <laughs> it's kind of hard you, you can't really pick up on any clues on who it is yeah but yeah definitely not up to par with some of those um, murder mystery wise, but definitely comedy wise, they they did not rank anything in. They just let it all flow the way they did on their their show. Mm -hmm. Awesome, Melissa. Yeah, I agree. It it's, it do, yeah, it doesn't really compare to you know your classic murder mysteries, but this was yeah definitely humor focused and a little bit more just like I had kind of said before, like a light hearted approach to. A murder mystery where you know it's it's really focused on the humor and i think uh, you know i kind of you know it's kind of an interesting approach because then you're not really you're, you're sort of thinking about well who did the who did the murder but then you're also not because there's so much else going on so it, it really does leave you in the dark until sort of near the end where it's like oh they start piecing things together and Oh, this is what happened, you know, like everything just comes together at the end. I have to agree. It, it maybe it doesn't really hold up to some of the more classics or even Knives Out because Knives Out kept me guessing the whole time too while I was watching it. Yeah. yeah. But, but I'd say it'd probably be closer to Clue than anything. But I just love how, like you guys have said, it essentially distracts you with all the humor going on that you're mm – -hmm. Not, I wouldn't necessarily say not paying attention to what the plot is, what's going on, but it kind of puts it in the back of your head. Like, okay, there's this murder we're trying to figure out because Mayor Bowman is actually not that big of a character from throughout most of the 
show, and he's the prime victim here. <laughs> yeah. I guess they do they do such a good job of making his character so unlikable that you don't really care that he's dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like they did, they do not hesitate making Mayor Bowman an unlikable character at the beginning of this show. Yeah, his yeah. his wife is more likable, also played by him. But um, you know, <laughs> as awful as she ends up being. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, while we're on the subject of characters, apart from the officers being played by Mark and Bruce, the chicken lady, and the cameo from Paul Bellini, what do you think it was for the best to not use any of the reoccurring characters from their sketch show or Brain Candy, Lisa? I think so, because these characters were refreshing, I thought. I mean, um, they were just hysterical. I loved Ricky. I loved his voice. <laughs> like, honestly, it, it wasn't surprising to hear that Bruce McCullough produced it, because I felt like he was sort of like almost the star of the show. And that could just be because I love Bruce. But I think he's like underrated as far as that troop goes. He's like one of our favorite people in it. And he's yeah. so center stage. Like him and Kevin get to do these really silly, big characters the whole show. And I just realized watching them perform, I'm like, I miss them specifically. So yeah, I think it was good to have like new characters. Yeah, I think I want I, Ricky's I... couch. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of want his couch, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> that train that brings you drinks and snacks. It's kind of convenient. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll have to piggyback on Lisa's answer. I, I feel like it was refreshing seeing new characters, but they're kind of played in a tone of some of their original characters that you remember to where you're like, oh, okay, I see they're pulling this from this character, but it's not that character. So it's really cool to see them kind of... Um, rehash some old ideas but put it like in a new package yeah dave foley's character the nurse that he plays at the end reminded me a lot of the the hooker jocelyn that he played on the show had that sort of that french accent had the accent reminded oh, me of yeah. that character quite a bit <laughs> yeah uh, melissa what about you yeah i think i think it was for the best because like you you know, you could be, you know, you bring back all these characters and it sort of seems more like just like a rehash of what they've already done before. And so with this, it was very unique and different. And, you know, yeah, they kind of, you see kind of a character who you sort of remind you of one previous, but it's in like different perspective, which is kind of mm -hmm. neat. And how maybe... Um, you know, maybe they thought, well, how could they have done this character differently? Well, they got to do that in this series, you know, so you see that, that character in a different light. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it worked to have really different, unique characters for this whole thing, that it makes it, it's sort of its own entity. Hey, all, all three of you make very good points. And, uh, I think they could have done it when they do the jury selection, I think that could have been the spot <laughs> for some cameos because uh, that's where they put the chicken lady. And uh, yeah. I was like, I would have loved to have seen Scott Thompson's Buddy Cole character because I love that character so much when he does the monologues and stuff. And I would have loved to see uh, Dave and Kevin have these characters called the Sizzler Sisters, where they're two clearly insane people dressed in uh, robes. They claim to be sisters with each other. It's. I think that would have been if they, if anything they probably could have. Uh, Stuck some cameos into that jury selection scene. 
they're going to restart trial. Otherwise, I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. It, it, it was best not to call back on nostalgia. So, hey, remember this character? Remember this character? Well, now it's in this form. Because they kind of did that in Brain Candy with uh, Cancer Boy. It was very much like uh, Bruce's character, Gavin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Show. Which, uh, Melissa hasn't finished Brain Candy yet, but she's well aware <laughs> who Gavin is. Because I've been sending her Gavin clips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys mentioned love for Bruce. Have you heard of his show that he had uh, a while back called Young Drunk Punk? No. Man, we're I, learning a I lot. Caught <laughs> I caught a few episodes of it, and I think I found it on YouTube. But it's supposed to be like a show about him growing up in Calgary in the 80s. Nice. I would definitely check episodes, it out. The few episodes I saw were pretty funny. He plays the dad character, and it's pretty damn funny. Nice. So if you guys are Bruce fans, I'd highly recommend that one. Um, did any of the subplots in the show work better than others? And any that couldn't have been, should not have been included, like uh, Corinda being pregnant, uh, Death's obsession with Ricky, Dusty and Mayor Bowman, Sam and Buttonhole. Any of those work better? Any other subplots I left out work better for you? Some that should have been left out? The reveal of Ricky's mom I found very funny. Um, <laughs> when Marnie's like, I'm your mom. <laughs> like, that was so silly. Like, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and and I guess, like, it hadn't occurred to me, like, why was she so invested in Ricky to begin with? They kind of make you think it's, like, a romance thing. But then she's like, I'm your mom. And it's, like, you can't really tell because they're, like, pretty much the same age. So you didn't even know she was playing someone older. But, um, or Kevin was playing someone older. But I liked that plot. Um, you know, Death trying to kill Ricky. Like, it's funny. There's all these different little plots that sort of don't really matter but are like very funny what do you think nick i thought one of the funnier ones the very inappropriate relationship that the corner has with um the mayor <laughs> yeah that's, that's <laughs> um, a good point. i mean it, it went on for like several episodes and then when they have to resume the body it just that's when that plot just stops but uh that was funny um i thought uh, buttonhole as yes. a skit itself was funny, but it didn't really add anything. <laughs> I guess you're supposed to see that um, uh, Kevin's lawyer character is very gullible and not necessarily a good lawyer, but <laughs> but it, it was funny. But I'm like, well, I mean, that, that kind of it kind of goes back and forth a few times, and they could get a couple like extra laughs out, but it didn't really play into it as much as some of the other side plots that did kind of lead into other stuff a little bit. I'll, I'll add, I think Krim, like, I mean, it was funny, I guess. It, it probably honestly doesn't age great, although he was making fun of somebody pretending to be native, um, <laughs> essentially. But um, it, it was fine. Sometimes when they, I think when they stayed on him too long and did he murder someone i was like ah like i knew he didn't so i was kind of like mm. yeah um but when they revealed that uh marnie was like help me and she's like all bloody and he was like okay like i was like okay that's kind of funny like I, yeah. I like that explanation um but yeah so i guess maybe that one was like meh okay for me 
That's kind of funny that he Grim get likes to get high on germ gel, and here we are reviewing this in the yeah. middle of a pandemic where people I are buying hand sanitizer left and right. Did think of that. <laughs> but uh, Nick, I have to go off your point. The the subplot with uh, Dusty and Mayor Bowman has a nice payoff at the end too in the last episode. Yeah, when That's they're true. on the bus together. <laughs> I guess they did kind of do full circle at that part and he's not interested in him but he's interested in the other character <laughs> scott's weather. playing yeah yeah other weather it's <laughs> kind of funny uh melissa what about you any subplots that worked for you or I didn't think, work for you um like death obsessing over ricky i think worked because it's sort of it, it was just um i think i think it worked very well because it gave him a reason sort of a good reason to be there at the start that this is what he wants to do and one of the things he says is like it's you know sort of his his mission so that he can leave the hick town of shuckton so you sort of have a story and reason for him to be there and then you know he sort of goes around and does stuff as well so i think that worked um dusty and and mayor bowman i think worked that was just morbid and hilarious (laughs) and um, the things that didn't really work for me was Corinda and Sam and his cat. Like that, those <laughs> two kind of were a little weird, especially Sam and his cat. Like it, funny as, like, kind of like what Nick had said, like, funny as, like, it would be as, like, a sketch, but it kind of went on a little too long. It didn't really, I don't know, I found it kind of didn't fit. I mean, okay, you kind of see the, like, lawyer personality and sort of who he is as a person. So you kind of get to know him a little bit more, but I don't know if it really works that well. Um, it was kind of kind of a weird spot. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, everything else, um, I think, worked for me. So, yeah. Um, Melissa, I'm with you. I, I think uh, Death's obsession with Ricky was probably one of the better subplots. <laughs> and I think one of the things that gets me the most about it is I love how he shows up in Ricky's flashback at the hockey game when Ricky's getting carted <laughs> out of the locker room and Death's just in the crowd at the hockey stadium. Hey, let's kill him. That seems fair. Just kind of off-brand humor. But um, yeah, I have to agree with you guys too. Like Sam and Buttonhole was a little weird, but I was reading that... Um, I guess the reason why they threw all these subplots in there was a way to like get some more character development and all these side characters. So I guess it, it would work as a sketch, but it does kind of show that Sam's not really invested in the uh, trial at the beginning. Yeah. So he's more he's more worried about his cat at the time, which being a cat owner, well, all pet owners, we understand that, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think probably, the, if anything, probably the most worthless uh, subplot was probably Corinda being pregnant because it. Yeah. Seems like it was played for laughs quite a bit, which was funny when she opens up, when she lets the uh, the channel six listeners decide if she should keep it or not. Or that was funny, and I mean they kind of <laughs> dropped that Easter egg with the uh, the abortion clinic at the beginning, yeah. which yeah, yeah, like the walk in. Yeah, they're like walking. He's like, well, you know how it is you know business is good there's lots of abortions like which was like a very i think especially heated topic in 2010 i think still is but i feel like that was when everybody was like talking about it more and so they were kind of poking fun at that a little bit but yeah well i originally had a 
something written down on the round table to bring up. And I, I ran it by Melissa and it was essentially like the abortion stuff, uh, the treatment of Ricky being obese or ramp pop being special. I asked her, I asked Melissa being Canadian, I go, are these things just not as sensitive of topics in Canada as they are down here or what have you? And Melissa, what'd you say? I said, um, I mean, it's, it, it sort of is, but it's not really. I mean, with, like, you know, I mean, it can be sensitive with some people, like, especially with abortions and things like that. But overall, we're, I think we're pretty cool about it. Like, we're, we're okay. And especially, I mean, in our, our health system, it's perfectly legal. Um, it's covered under Canada Health Act that if, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter what the reason is, um, they'll do that for, for a woman who's wanting to have an abortion. And so I think it's, it's okay. I mean, it it's may be... It's not taboo in the same no, way as here, yeah. It's, no, it's, it, we, we look at it sort of as a more casual thing. I mean, I'm sure there are people who are very sensitive about it, um, but... I mean, for the most part, I think we're we're pretty good. Um, same thing with, you know, like special needs children or people with special needs in general. I think we're, you know, we're pretty okay with. Um, yeah, it's we're not. It, it's not really some topics that are really taboo or anything like that for us. I mean, I even um, looked back at like news from. 2010 and, and around when the, that show came out and there was no controversy from the show. There was, it was just, it was a, a liked show and that was about it. So it didn't, it didn't really spark anything from anybody. So, which you might think it would have just based on some of the topics that they discussed, but no, we're, we're pretty cool about it. <laughs> I, I think they handle ramp pop and Ricky kind of, they, they play it off for laughs a lot. Uh, Ramp Hop's only called the R word once by Mayor Bowman, and they already set up that you're not supposed to like this character anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I thought too. It's like, yeah, the R word, you know, not great, but um, she's clearly like a terrible person. And then his, I guess, specialness or whatever is so bizarre and not like a real, you know, disability yeah. or anything. So it's like. Yeah. Not really that offensive. And then you find out, I forgot to mention another favorite subplot is finding out he's Satan's son. Um, so you could argue that he wasn't, he didn't have any problems. It's just that he was Satan's son and therefore not all the way human. And that's why he was like that. <laughs> so you could kind of explain that away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, they play Ricky off a lot for laughs too. Like when he has to deny his jury summons, like, well, why can't you come? I'm obese. How obese? Very obese. Well, they say if you check very obese, are you as obese as Ricky? I am. Oh, poor Ricky. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's a little fat phobic. I don't think they would probably do a character like that today, but it's so silly, though. It's silly, and Ricky's one of the most likable characters on the show. Yeah, like, he's you just, pure you just like Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to give him a big old hug, and I like when he calls the tipster hotline. What size are you? X X X X L. Wait a minute, is this Ricky? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like. <laughs> so, yeah. moving on. Were you able to solve that Marnie was the one that committed the murders? 
Lisa? No. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. As they kind of geared up towards the session, I was like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. But it, I didn't put it together earlier um, until she had the bloody remote that she was like, oh, look, I found this. And I was like, well, she could be dumb and pick that up. But then later, you know, it's revealed. And I was like, no, I didn't really see it coming, but it was really hilarious. <laughs> it made sense. Nick? Yep. I don't think I saw it coming, but I wasn't really looking for that. Yeah. Like, that was probably, that would, she would have been the last person on my suspect radar like mm -hmm. throughout the show which I mean, makes it even funnier that she was the one that was the the murderer i mean she couldn't even deliver a pizza so yeah <laughs> she had the case case of the fuzzies, fuzzies. <laughs> <laughs> um melissa what about you were you able to figure out that marnie did it no honestly um because she, like, her and Ricky were working together through the whole thing. Like, they were investigating, and they, they paired up. And it was, like, the most wholesome team-up ever. Uh, <laughs> Until. <laughs> Until. Uh, but, yeah, um, I had no idea. Like, again, like, I kind of like what Nick said. Like, she, she was the last person who I would have thought to do it. But then that's always the case, isn't it? Like, mm -hmm. it's the person you least expect who does the does the deed right so yeah it was um it was interesting to be like oh it's her of all people <laughs> who did this so yeah it was that was kind of interesting it's because you almost think it's it's death who's doing it yeah i kind of thought that the kind place things on him so mm -hmm. I was like, well he does play a part in it because he's there to finish he, them off yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's there to collect the the soul. Mm -hmm. But he kind of has that pager. The soul that, like, cocaine. Yeah, yeah that tells him. it's about to happen. Yeah. Like, you have to go here because you have to collect the soul there or whatever. Mm. As many times as I've watched this, I try to watch that scene when she shows up at the mayor's house to see if there's any way you could tell that it's Marnie, but... So many of those characters have that same body shape that, well, they try to say it's Heather Weather. <laughs> like, oh, it looks like Heather Weather's build. Like, they, they only set it up so you can you can tell it's definitely not Ricky by the body type. And yeah. um, the more I watch it, I was able to, it's easier to figure out that she's the one that kills Heather Weather. Because mm -hmm. when, she flat, when she flashes back on it, when she says she puts herself there, she walks behind Heather Weather when she's at the courthouse. Um Okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense that she killed Heather Weather because she says that she was overheard Heather Weather talking about something. But they, they do it so well. You guys mentioned earlier how they, they cover up that murder so well by having Rampop watching it, and it's the butterflies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. The butterflies are like, ow, help, no. It's so <laughs> silly. And then he, like, throws the other the butterfly. Ah! It's so the, funny. I loved the, it. The murder weapon is TV remote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. So I, th I thought they did a good job, good job of uh, hiding Marnie as the the murderer, and they they give her that perfect alibi of her having the fuzzy, so she she's not going to remember doing it until she pulls her remote out of her pocket. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of, while we're on that subject, as far as red herrings go in mystery films, books, shows. Etc. How well do you think they 
how well do you think this show set up red herrings for this? Um, I mean, pretty well. They they kind of do a misdirect several times, you know, with several different characters, and it's always you know for humor, it's funny, but um, it's pretty effective. And like we all said, we didn't really suspect Marnie, so mm-hmm. obviously they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I kind of like you. I I kept thinking it was death doing it, but then I'm like, wait, no, he's just there to collect. But then like the next murder, I'd be like. Oh, it's death. Wait, no, he's just there to close. So I kept thinking it was him, knowing it wasn't him. Yeah, death being in all those scenes. I mean, that, yeah, that's what really throws you off. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he's kind of like the one obvious constant to mm-hmm. the murders. Yeah, he he's he's obvious, but he's also that little bit too obvious. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You know? Where like you you sometimes find that in some murder mysteries where you you have your eye on somebody and it's like they. They have something to do with it. They either did it or they assisted in doing it or something, and then it's not them, it's somebody completely different. So death is sort of that character where he's for sure. You you really have your, your eye on him, but you also know what he's doing, like he's collecting the souls after the fact. So obviously he didn't do it, right? But mm-hmm. it's just interesting that yeah, like he you do keep your eye on him, but then you're also you know, there's so many other subplots going on that you're sort of focused on those, and then you kind of forget, like, you know, who you're trying to figure out to, who did it, right? So, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job of covering it up until near the end, where it was like, oh, like <laughs> it was right in your face the whole time, but it would just you were way out looking at something else. You saw butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Death had to go collect that sweet soul cocaine. Yep. <laughs> so, devil. <laughs> um, so, bonus question: Out of the some of the red herrings they set up, did you suspect either Heather Weather or Marilyn at all? Mm, not really. They seemed too ridiculous to <laughs> have done anything to me. I think. What do you think? I didn't really suspect it, but I could see it being Marilyn more than yeah, Heather Weather. Yeah, that's true. Because once, I mean, she killed her husband. She didn't. They were arguing. Right. And then I feel like she kind of like was on a power trip once she became mayor. Well, so especially you, at the end yeah. <laughs> where she turned mm-hmm. it into like a TV yeah, show. To make money. <laughs> that was so funny. But I feel like she she would have been the more obvious one, but just yeah. it just wasn't quite enough to make it a for sure thing. Yeah, like she enjoyed his death, obviously, because they like hated each other. But and she loved being mayor. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> she definitely had the funniest alibi, though. Mm-hmm. I'm also what about you? Do you suspect Marilyn or Heather Weather at all? When I set them up. I kind of thought maybe Marilyn for a little bit, just because, like, her story and just sort of, you know, how she was. But, no, she, you know, like it was sort of mentioned before, they're both sort of ridiculous ladies, and (laughs) for them, they couldn't get away with anything. I think their their sense of stealth would have been failed miserably. So, yeah, it, it, it didn't seem like they would be the people to... Murder. 
They definitely lean on Marilyn heavily because they always give her those uh, almost like a, a intimidating cutaways or intense cutaways. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think as as far as the red herrings go, like prime example pops in my head is like you ever read like a Batman comic book like uh, Gotham by Gaslight or Batman Hush, and you're trying to figure out who this new villain is, and all of a sudden they introduce this new character to the story. Oh, hey, guy from Bruce's past we never met before. Yeah, <laughs> you must not be you must not be Hush or the Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. So I, I think the kids in the hall like took saw something like that or how Scooby Doo can be bad at it sometimes. Like, oh hey, major <laughs> character. Like, oh hey, at least the Silverstone being in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you must not be the bad guy. <laughs> so I think they I think they do a good job of distracting you from who really did it and. Uh, they kind of, I like how they tease it. Even with Marilyn says, well, when they're reading, doing the reading of the will, mm-hmm. she just says, well, my plan worked. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I killed him. I'm just kidding, obviously. And everyone's like, oh, <laughs> 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 he died in a pretty terrible way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, now we got through all the serious stuff. Let's go to the easy questions. So, I think the kids in the hall, they're pretty well known for like their quick humor, like real quick throwaway lines, throwaway gags. So, Lisa, what was some of your favorite throwaway jokes or gags? Oh, man, it's hard to, to pick, you know, one or even a few. But I think uh, I've kind of already mentioned it already, but I thought the whole butterfly thing for the little boy every time he saw them um, until the very end. And then he saw like, who did he see? Like, he would see the butterflies, but then he saw death. He could see death. And that, that was funny to me. And then, you know, later they explained that. Um, I thought that was really good. Um, I really liked, like I mentioned before, Ricky and um, his voice. And I liked, uh, let's see, I liked death as well. And the two cops, we haven't really talked about that a lot. But the cops and, like, the running gag of how, like, just ineffectual they are and, like, you know, they they capture Krim and his buddy, but then eventually they end up letting them go because they talk themselves out of it, even though it's, like, super ridiculous or how they suspect each other for a little bit because they're like, well, where were you? And, like, th- that kind of stuff was very funny to me. Nick? I feel like, I guess it's not more of a gag, but I think just... Ricky's surprise sound he did like every other sentence (laughs) (laughs) yeah and another thing that got me for for no reason I don't know what the character design was but just death's tooth (laughs) that got me every time like just that, that one tooth he looks so dumb like his outfit on his little bike whenever he's in the town. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like sometimes he's wearing that like I don't like know, like affliction t shirt, yeah. but then when he's on the bike he's like pretty much naked and it's like so <laughs> unflattering. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, just just them being them really, the characters they brought, I thought I mean it's always funny to see them do something that ridiculous and pull it off. Yeah, I like the argument between the two mayors, or well, between the mayor and his wife. You know, when oh yeah, they're the arguing night, the about night before the murder. Yeah, they're just so yeah. mean to each other, but it's like you can tell that they're having so much fun in that scene because the stuff they're saying is just so outlandishly mean and ridiculous. It was good. Yeah, well, one of my favorite jokes from the whole show has to be from that argument when uh, 
he's telling her how much weight he put on. He goes, I had a baby. He was adopted. It was <laughs> sympathy <laughs> weight. He <laughs> <laughs> was adopted. Yeah. And we know why later. He's Satan's <laughs> son. <laughs> uh, Melissa, what about you? Uh, not really any, like, really jokes or gags, but I, I really love the line, and I think it was in the, the second episode, when Heather Weather is doing the the um, the news report, and she's, like, not really having anything much to say other than, oh, as a skilled meteorologist, I can tell you he was found under partially cloudy skies. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no weather, no weather. <laughs> I did like the news team intro every time. Yes. That would yeah. yeah, they like, like blurred out the lady that died. died her face was <laughs> they don't even bother to reshoot it. <laughs> Shocking news, sad news. <laughs> yeah. that, that was a good line, Melissa. That's a good one. That gets me every time, too. Um, a lot of mine come from random lines too. Like Lisa mentioned the argument between Maryland and Larry at the beginning. But uh, one of those light jokes I like is when Dusty is going to do the autopsy of the mayor's body in front of those kids. Oh, he's yeah. asking all the, he's asking all the kids about when they've seen dead bodies. I like when they keep raising their hand. He's like, what am I missing in this town? Yeah, they've, they're all like, yeah, see. I've seen a drowning victim. <laughs> I also like uh, I like the running gag of Marilyn not being able to start her car because she's got the oh, the hose yeah. breathalyzer. Oh, yeah, the breathalyzer. <laughs> There's always a crowd of people that can't start it either around us. Yeah, <laughs> the cops the cops can't start that. They have to have, have ramp pop start it for. Her. <laughs> <laughs> I I like a lot of uh I like a lot of crims jokes too crim had a lot of good one-off jokes like uh when he's getting caught stealing the potholes at the beginning of the movie oh, oh, I, just, yeah. I just i just found him i just found him laying in the middle of the street <laughs> or, uh when the murder first happens and no it's when death is going to the mayor's house and the death cuts in front of him on that bike oh that's a big squirrel eh yeah <laughs> or or when he's getting interrogated in the uh, jail cell by the two cops and the, the cops are beating each other with the phone book and like, oh, you got the mayor's blood all over his hands. How'd you get that hat? Well, maybe he lent it to me. <laughs> that was like those quick one-off jokes. I think Krim is like one of the standout characters of the whole show, I think. Mm -hmm. Him and his uh, spirit bear. Yeah, <laughs> spirit bear. <laughs> spirit bear. <laughs> Let's see. Well, let's talk about jokes. About any actual favorite scenes you guys had, Lisa? Any full scenes you particularly enjoyed? Um, a lot of the scenes with Ricky, I really like. Like I said, uh, between him and Marnie, when they're like sleuthing and trying to find the the murderer, um, I liked all those scenes. Um, I also liked uh the scenes with. You know, the mayor in the corner, those were really funny gags that went on for a long time. And they're just so, they go on for so long and just, you know, you know that Dave's just like closing his eyes. And that somehow makes it even funnier. Um, and then I really like the ending um, when it becomes like that game show and they're all voting like, do you want to see so-and-so get electrocuted? Like, I don't know, that, that was really funny to me too. There's a, there's a real good deleted scene of... Uh... 
when Bruce and Scott are doing the thing with the coroner and the mayor's body and Bruce just starts like laughing and stuff opens his eyes and starts laughing. And I think it's when Scott's, I think it's when Scott's chugging the brandy out of the glass, out of the, the holder. And Bruce just like opens his eyes and starts making Scott laugh or something. Oh yeah. I said Dave and I meant Bruce. Sorry. That happens sometimes. <laughs> Melissa, at least thinks all Canadians look alike. <laughs> <laughs> We got confused sometimes watching it. I mean, they just disappear into their characters, and sometimes you're like, "Wait, that's played so many who? characters." Yeah. yeah. Um, I know it's not necessarily a scene, but I I like the intro. The I like song the is song so catchy. And the intro of Death riding his bike through the city, and you see all the characters. <laughs> I I don't know. I like the way that was done really well. I that song still gets stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. how it works sometimes. And the the ending song was pretty catchy too, but I I like the intro animation. Yeah, that was really really good. I was gonna that is, that is a catchy theme song too, and I love the original Kids in the Hall theme song already, but this one's just as good too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa, what about you? Any favorite scenes? Yeah, one of my favorite scenes. It's a fairly quick scene, but it's Krim and he he just stole the Zamboni. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zamboni. <laughs> I know that was funny. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, you guys named some good ones. Uh, if I had to pick one, you guys didn't name. I, I really love the scene where they're picking the jury for the oh, yeah. uh, for the trial. And they're all these random characters are going through, like the woman not wearing a shirt, or <laughs> man, did you think that was proper court attire? <laughs> <laughs> I like the, I like this scene, with... <laughs> or the baby sitting in the jury chair. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole courtroom scene in general is just hilarious. Uh, I think everything except for the running gag of the judge not being able to find his gavel. That's probably oh, the yeah. only gag I didn't. But I, but I did like the whole courtroom scene in general, just because how insane. That court's being ran. How even though the weather died the same way the mayor did, they're still charging Krim even though he was in jail. Or yeah, they th- they have to put it in the record that um, Sam and Krim are now blood brothers and all oh, that yeah. stuff. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> all all that random stuff. It's so great, but so well done. Um, what about some favorite characters from the show, Lisa? Um, I feel like I'm being really repetitive here, but I'm going to say Ricky, Marnie, um, and the Death Son, and the Weather Girls. I like all of them. And on, and honestly, uh, I guess uh, Marilyn Bowman, too. <laughs> Good choice. Nick? Yeah, I think, um, like I said earlier, Ricky's just so likable, but I like how ridiculous Death is. He's cool, too. It's like, half the time he can barely actually say words. I don't know what (laughs) voice he's trying to do, but it's just really funny. (laughs) Melissa? 
Yeah, for me, I, I like Marnie and Ricky. I think they're they're both hilarious characters, and and Ricky, you just you kind of you kind of love from the start, and you really want to just like give him a hug. Yeah, you know? he's just he he's he's so lovable, and and um, so yeah, I, I I like those two. So I have to agree with Nick, and apparently the pugs agree. Yeah, they're yeah, snoring. They're, they're both snoring in stereo. <laughs> but uh, I, I have to agree with Nick. I, I love Death. Death is Mark McKinney's Death is just so damn funny, and like I, I love the scene when he gets drunk on the owl's blood and he's pissing on Ricky's lawn too. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there taunting Ricky, and uh, we're sitting in his hotel room, or when he's messing with the cops when they come to his hotel room, or when he's talking to the hotel manager, or uh, my other favorite character. I love Krim. Because I think Krim just gets so many great one-off lines when he's getting high on germ gels is one of the most random things you can have somebody getting high. On yeah, show. I've never even heard it called germ gel. So is that is that a Canadian thing or just for the show? And just for the show. Okay. <laughs> You're like Lisa, really? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe some people call it that, but. I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also like Marilyn Bowman. I think I'm, I'm a huge Dave Foley fan. I thought yeah. Dave Foley played it so well. And, uh, uh, the scene when he, when well, she finds Larry sticking out of the mailbox and she just sits here screaming for so long. <laughs> yeah. Reminds, and then other uh, people come over and start screaming too. I really like that. <laughs> I really like that scene. Uh, Dave did a movie called The Wrong Guy. I want to say shortly after Kids in the Hall finished, and uh, there is a scene at the beginning of the movie where he gets wrongfully he or he thinks he's wrongfully accused of a murder he didn't commit of his boss, and there's just like a random scene of him screaming for five minutes covered in blood, and <laughs> it reminded me so hard of that. Have you guys seen that film either? Mm-hmm. I think I've heard of that one, but I don't. I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it. It's pretty good. Dave Foley's the main star. Uh, Kevin's got a cameo on it, and then uh, Jennifer Tilly is the romantic, uh, romantic lead in it. So if you ever want to see a romantic comedy with uh, Dave Foley and Jennifer Tilly, the wrong guy. It's very much in the style of like Kids in the Hall humor too. It's very much Dave's style that he did for the show. So speaking of Dave playing. Marilyn Bowman, the question of the night is who played drag better in this show? Because everybody but Bruce played drag. And it seems like I'm a I'm a member of a group on Facebook called Friends in the Hall, where it's just a bunch of kids in the hall fans that get together and we just chat about it's like Lisa's page. It's a very safe place. We're all we there's no hate. We all just comment on sketches or on the show or from the movie. And it always seems somebody always brings up who plays drag better. And it seems like Dave and Bruce come up the most for who's like the hotter chick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. And I'm looking at a cheat sheet of who all played which character in this particular uh, movie. But um, that whole idea of them, you know, dressed as women um, came up when we saw them live. And they talked about, you know, having. Uh, Scott on their team and him being like an openly gay man 
um, in a time where you didn't do that a whole lot when they were first in the troop and how they made a conscious decision to like, you know, he wrote all the jokes about uh, gay men and he kind of had full reign over things like that. And then the other interesting they did thing that they did was they dressed like women, but they don't like they're funny characters, but they're not making fun of women. It's really different from a lot of other shows. And I think particularly in this movie, like their makeup and everything is done so well. Like, I mean, they kind of just, they look like ladies, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem like men pretending to be women. It It's more like these are the characters we're playing and they happen to be women. Um, you know, I thought Dave looked really good, honestly, as Marilyn. Like, I really felt like he disappeared into that character. I think Marilyn's the most, like, I guess as he's the best in drag. He pulled yeah. it off more than the other guys. I guess, you know, passing, whether or not you're a fan of that term, but definitely, like, he, you know, when he's Marilyn, he's he really embodies yeah. that character. But they kind of all do. And, and like I said, you really notice it. It's not like... Um, even though I love this movie, it's not like Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, where it's like, hello, I'm a woman, you know, it's, but it's like, they just <laughs> kind of do their own voices, but as a woman, Scott tends to, as Heather Weather tends to be, you know, he's, he's more of like the smoke show woman, I think yeah. in the show, but it's honestly hard to pick a favorite. Cause I think that they all do such a good job. You know, Marnie, I love, you know, just the weather girls are great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to pick one. I liked all of them. And that's that's one of the things I've always liked about Kids in the Hall is when they, like I said, when they do those female characters, it's like they seem like guys playing women characters, but it, it's not like, haha, how absurd that I would be a woman or how weird and dumb women are or anything it's not like that. It's from just like a mean place. Yeah, it's, it's just very funny. And unless they have a recurring character on, in the sketch show, they don't play every woman the same way either and like right. yeah, it's not they like change, they, they change their voice, voice and everything yeah. and they all have different looks too but no they no scott and mark had no scott scott and bruce had the two kathy's that those are recurring characters oh. with the dresses of women mark had like his high school age girl that he played with the braces and everything and he had the chicken lady and then uh dave and scott played those the two hookers that were pretty recurring, but otherwise they, they play it really straight. It's mm-hmm. I'd say if anything, Kevin plays like a, he's a, almost a man as Marnie, just a little bit, not too much, but yeah. Yeah. Mar- Marnie seems the less Marnie seems like the less ladylike of them all, but she's like the silliest. It seems like, yeah. She's yeah. more of a character than, yeah. Yeah. Than like another like person in the show. Mm-hmm. Melissa, what about you? I, I'm the same. Like, I can't really pick one because it's, they all just, you know, play the, these characters so well that you kind of, you almost sort of forget that it's males playing females, you know, because, like, like you said, uh, Lisa, that, like, their makeup is done so well and it just, it looks natural, like how mm-hmm. a woman put on her makeup and, and things like that. So, yeah, I um, I can't really pick one for who would be sort of, the best one. I think they all play it uh, very well. Um, yeah. And, and it's funny at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Always funny still. <laughs> I'll pick one. It's Dave. Dave and Marilyn is pretty damn funny. <laughs> I mean, Dave no. definitely stands out. Like I said, and that kind of surprised yeah. me, I think. It's like I didn't expect 
that. But Marilyn is just a really fun Such character. Fun, yeah, fun character to play, and he played the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. Kevin did good. I, I, I kind of bashed on Kevin a little bit there as Marty, but he he played it really well too. I like when they're trying to test out the brooch with the security <laughs> camera, and he's like grabbing and pointing it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Can you see that? Can you see it, Ricky? <laughs> and and I, I should have mentioned this scene earlier. I, I did like the scene where they're at the mayor's house. Marnie's at the mayor's house, and uh, tell her you're a panty fiend. Oh yeah, she's <laughs> like, I'm a panty fiend. <laughs> I mean, Kevin's always his his performance is always big. You know, he yeah. doesn't have any like subtle characters really, so you kind of have to expect that with him. But I but I like it. I like his style. He's the he's the sillier one of the five. Yeah, I'd say. I know I've said the word silly a lot, but you know, it is a silly show. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, if you watch the actual show, they all have their types. Like Scott mm-hmm. did a lot of his gay stuff. And Scott was probably the best at doing monologues too. Um, oh yeah. I was sending a bunch of uh, buddy Cole's monologues to Melissa so she could watch them. Um, but Kevin was really good at doing like the real silly stuff. Bruce did a lot of like artsier stuff. I'd say. Kevin was or uh, uh, Kevin was really silly. Uh, Mark was Mark was really like the jack of all trades of the group. He could really do uh, pretty much anything. He disappeared in his roles. Like he's a good character actor. And then mm-hmm. Dave Dave was really good at like the more like the jokes and the sarcasm and the dry wit. Yeah, he's a lot drier, and probably that's probably part of why he kind of got picked up in sitcoms and stuff. Yeah. Well, that. That's all I had. Did anybody else have any questions or anything for the panel? I feel like we covered it. Yeah. You know, I think it, I think that those are some great questions, and um, hopefully this piques people's interest into watching the show. I'm glad. I'm definitely glad that you uh, brought it to our attention. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I did have one more question, and it's specifically for Melissa. If I can out you a little bit, uh, is that okay, so. Melissa? Uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, so Melissa said this this show wasn't quite her cup of tea. So That's I okay. want to know, and it's like uh, I talked with Lisa, I've talked with Melissa both. It's a very niche sense of humor to have. I think so. I I, I don't think Melissa's opinion is uncommon. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. And if you read the reviews for this show, a lot of people would agree with Melissa. Some of the reviews were insane. I was going to send them to Melissa. Like, did you write these? Wikipedia, <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, uh, the question I have for you is: even though this wasn't your cup of tea, would you still be willing to recommend this to somebody else? Yes, um, like especially if I knew that, you know, um, if if that particular person or people were into that sort of more quirky, um, sort of deep cut reference humor. And very quick humor. Um, I think if somebody was sort of into that kind of stuff, they would almost certainly in- enjoy this series. Um, if they if they understood the humor, they got the humor kind of from the start. Um, I think they would they would really enjoy it. So I would I would definitely recommend it to somebody, but not to everybody. It wouldn't be something like oh everybody watch this because it would you'd probably find a lot of mixed reviews and. So it would only be certain people, and if I knew sort of where their humor came from or where their interests were, um, I would I would recommend it to them. Um, nice. Yeah, this this show definitely. I, I mean, it was it was fine for what it was. I don't hate it, 
Um, but I did kind of sort of feel like going into it because it was my first time seeing anything Kids in the Hall, um, other than hearing references of, of Crusher and, and things like that. <laughs> um, I hadn't seen anything like it, so seeing it, I'm like, what in the world am I watching right now? <laughs> I don't know what I'm watching. And yeah, some some of the humor was very quirky and, and different. And sometimes I didn't really get the humor. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like, I, I don't hate it. But it wasn't my cup of tea at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think if you're more familiar with the kids in the hall, you probably would have enjoyed it more? Maybe would have been more familiar with their their style of comedy, and I mean it did kind of help when you sent me like the videos of some of their sketches and stuff. So it's kind of understood where they were coming from and what their humor is. So then I sort of got into it a little bit more from that. So then okay, I understand, you know, where they're going with this and their their humor and and things like that. So yeah, but I think if if I did engage with it a little bit more than I have. Um, I probably would get into it a little bit more, just having a better understanding of their comedy. Well, thank you for playing nice for this episode. <laughs> yeah, thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a call to arms. All 12 of our listeners bombard Melissa with clips of kids in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I think I think uh, Jared's already doing that job, so... <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. It is my favorite show of all time. Mm-hmm. So, Lisa, closing thoughts on Death Comes to Town. Um, you know, it I I really liked it. I'm I'm kind of sad that it's not more accessible, you know, um and kind of surprised, but you know, I really enjoyed it and I do recommend it. Nick? Yeah, um I definitely recommend it cuz this type of humor is Right up my alley. Yeah. Very zany, yet dark, but quirky. Um, my only regret is not actually knowing about this when it came out. Yeah. Like, ten years ago. I would have really liked to have watched it then, but I'm glad I got to watch it now. It's sort of funny to me that out of... I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm the one who knew about it ten years ago. <laughs> But then it was all over CBC, and that's basically all I had at the time. So it's just kind of funny. Anyway, <laughs> that's my final thought. <laughs> that's your final thought, Jerry Springer? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, yeah, I highly recommend the show. I love it. I, I wish I would have heard of it sooner, too, when it came out. I Instead of five years later, because I would have enjoyed the hell out of it, seeing it live for the first time and introducing it to more people. That I I really it makes me want more kids in the hall stuff now. Yeah. Like hopefully they go yeah. on. Hopefully they go. Hopefully they go on tour again once the uh, pandemic um, dies down. They had announced during um, the show that they were going to launch like more kids in the hall content, and then like yeah. the pandemic happened essentially. Well, I think Amazon or Prime yeah, oh, yeah, was going to yeah. do a reboot. Yeah. So I don't know what happened to that. I certainly hope they get on that soon. I know. I want more, want more, more kids in the hall, and especially after binge watching the sketch show. After watching this, I'm like, I want more. Yeah. Give me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
guys, I want to thank you for coming on and talking Death Comes to Town with us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Lisa, where can they find you on social media if they choose to? Yeah, you can find me at ILTM Podcast on Twitter, and I love that movie podcast on Instagram. And basically listen to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Just look up I Love That Movie. Awesome. Nick, congratulations on your first episode of the United Nations. We hope you come back. Thank you. I would love to. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. Uh, pretty much you can find me on all platforms under relatively the same thing. It's Wardco Props. Um, there might be an underscore in there. I'm not sure which one's which. But, yeah, if you just look Wardco Props on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can find me. I, I highly recommend I recommend Lisa's show. I recommend Nick's social media pages. If you want to see some cool props and listen to some good episodes. Because if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have this episode today. Oh. Uh, Melissa, where can our listeners keep up with you? Uh, they can keep up keep up with me on Instagram um, at Miss Melissa N twenty five, and they can also, if they want to, I have a drawing page where I post a lot of my drawings and art that I do, and it's called Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer, and it's all one word, nothing fancy, no underscores or anything. So find me there. And where can they find you, Jared? You can keep up with me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mr. J. Um, there is some uh, spaces in there, too. I can't think of, I couldn't think of the word at the moment. My brain <laughs> <No> is fried. <laughs> Under, underscores. That's the word I'm thinking of. But um, also, I am working on a YouTube channel with my buddy Mikey called Two Aging Bearded Nerds, where we talk about all those movies ranging back from Pinocchio in the 40s to Coraline to 20, oh, cool. 2008 worth when movie studios did not give a crap about scaring kids. And uh, <laughs> so look for that. coming. Look for that coming soon. We also have Lisa scheduled to be a guest on that whenever we get that up and rolling. So yes, looking forward to it. And if you um, want to find us as a podcast on social media, you can find us at Nerd United Nations Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to listen to us, um, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now, most recently, we are now on iHeartRadio. Oh, great. So... Um, like, subscribe, uh, give a rating on any one of those platforms because it helps us be a little bit more seen in the within the podcast community. And be sure to stay tuned for our next couple episodes because we got some Universal Monster goodness coming your way next Ooh, couple episodes. Nice, nice. Lisa, and Nick, thank you once, thank you once again for coming on our show. We'd love to have you guys back again. Yeah, We'd sure. Love Thanks to come for back. having us. Yeah. I'll I'll let Melissa pick the topic next time. I was going to say, she needs her revenge. She's going to make you watch something now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll pick that, something. That sounds pretty painless. I mean, it was short. So, only eight episodes. I mean, you did, um, when they, they talked about, like, what they were sort of inspired by when creating the show, and they mentioned Corner Gas, I would wholeheartedly recommend that show if you haven't seen it. Oh, I have not, so I, I will check it's, that out. It's um, absolutely hilarious. It takes place in Dog River, Saskatchewan, 
And it's basically just a community and all these quirky characters and kind of the stuff they get up to. And it's just a really fun show. Um, wholeheartedly recommend it. So, guys, time is still tough out there. Hopefully we're in the clear sometime soon. It'd be nice. But uh, always remember, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Thanks for listening. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.